because I've been just doing laundry. And so he just he's just been sitting next to me and playing Roblox. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Like maybe he has quarantine brain too. <laughs> I just don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I'm tired of these dang Roblox. Anyway. No, I think I think so. I think he feels it like the quarantine and stuff. Now he does because he's like, I want to go here and here. I'm like, we can't always go everywhere, but you know, just gonna have to find some things to do at the house. Yeah. <laughs> hey everyone, I'm Chelsea. I host a podcast called Weird Mom, and today. Dustin and I will be tackling mortality and mental health in the book Side Effects May Vary by Julie Murphy right after this. So you have a long to be read list and you don't know how to proceed. Just give yourself a break, my friend, because Dustin can read. Dustin can read. Welcome to Dustin Can Read, a show I created to encourage myself and others to read more and to discourage snobbery against middle grade and young adult books. In today's episode, I invited Chelsea from the Weird Mom podcast on. Hi, Chelsea. Are you ready to talk YA? I'm ready because I actually read. It took me a while, but I read. (laughs) Good. It's the first time you've read a YA in a while. You haven't been reading books much lately, right? Well, you're a mom. That's why. I mean, it happens. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I might start a book, but this is the first book I've finished in a long time. So, Did you feel good after you were done? Like, oh, I accomplished it. I got it done. It's like a little trophy. I did, yeah. Especially a fiction book because usually I'm reading like nonfiction. So this is great. Self-help parenting books and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, well, speaking of which, you know, you, you host the weird mom podcast. Can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah. So I host a podcast, as Dustin said, it's called weird mom. It's all about parenting and the things people just don't normally talk about when it comes to parenting. So the aim is, you know, I don't know if you do know any parents out there, but like when you go to the um, mom groups or the parenting groups, you know, you see a lot of the same recycled topics, breastfeeding, um, what should I feed my child? But Weird Mom aims to tackle things they just don't talk about in those kinds of groups. So stay, uh, listen to that. Uh, it's on Spotify, Anchor, uh, Google Podcasts, um, Apple, Apple. Yes, that, I was. I was it's not, almost like, everywhere. It's, it's yeah. pretty much almost everywhere on the on the main ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And she, you know, it's really cool. Like you said, you said you you handle some topics that maybe people aren't talking about, you know, and maybe you know bring it up some sensitive stuff. You know, you have you know you had health issues with your son. You would talk about that, and you you know you brought on you're bringing on people now who have health issues with their kids in the past, and and maybe you've continued to battle them. Um, you've had me on for one of your mid, you know, in between season shows, your specials called Weird Adult. Yes, because <laughs> yes. everybody knows I am a weird adult. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but uh, that was fun. I really appreciate it on there. That was, that was fun talking to you on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you should definitely go check that out again. It's called weird mom. Check it out. It's pretty much everywhere. Um, I actually had Chelsea pick out the book for this episode and she's the one who chose side effects. My very by Julie Murphy. Um, so some of you may know Julie Murphy and she, you know, she had a Netflix movie based on one of her books called Dumplin. And the Netflix movie starred Jennifer Aniston. Um, Julie Murphy has become a like a big, uh, prominent body positive voice in young adult fiction, um, especially with her creation of Faith, which is, is um, a superhero who shows that big girls can save the day too. You know, um, she has two books out by that uh, by, about Faith. And have you read any other books by Julie Murphy, or have you seen any of the, maybe the movie of Dumpling or? Yeah, I saw Dumplin' when it came out, and I, I like that movie. And I didn't even realize she was the same author of that book until reading this book. So that was fun, fun a nice fun fact to learn. <laughs> I know, and it's a completely different tone from what I understand, because I haven't seen Dumplin' or read the book yet, but I know that it's a different, I mean, it, it seems like a different tone to me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like you and I, the author is from the South. Julie Murphy, she's actually in between us, actually, in Arkansas. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Chelsea's based out of Texas. I'm based out of Mississippi. Um, So, you know, perhaps that's why her book kind of felt familiar. I don't know. I don't know. She had a good voice in it, you know, the good writing voice in it. It it flowed really well, I thought, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, do you have your book, by the way? I do. Okay. I have it. Um, 
you can you let's uh let's talk about the book cover okay so what does your book cover look like so mine is just words um it's the title side effects may vary but then there's a few little graphics like there's a a checkbox ballet slippers um looks like a spilled medicine bottle and then like a and it has a ferris wheel on there but i don't remember a ferris wheel in the book um no they didn't have a fair they went to the fair well the the amusement park so i guess that's what it's representing oh Um, that makes sense yeah (laughs) so that's the black one and all the color all the things are drawn kind of neon hot pink hot you know green whatever colors right okay yeah and see the one i had i got the ebook and it was the i think that was the original cover that you have yeah and i have the ebook which is the one there it's both of them sitting in a teacup and i've seen that cover too yeah. yeah, so that's the one I have. She has the red beret on, which they mention in the book as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was, you know, and that would, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Which one would you, would make you want to pick up the book more? Probably the one with the teacup. I'm looking really? at the one that I have. It's kind of like, it's just words mostly. I, I would rather see a picture. Um, yeah, it's kind of, so yeah. it's kind of blah. It's just a black background and then just some scribbles of like, imagery <laughs> that's yeah. it <laughs> but yeah the teacup one i could see too it's kind of it's interesting it's kind of a it's a more inviting color you got figures on there you know whatever read me the uh the back of your book okay when 16 year old alice is diagnosed with leukemia her prognosis is grim to maximize the time she does have she vows to spend her final months writing wrongs however she sees fit she convinces her friend Harvey, who she knows has always had feelings for her, to help her with a crazy bucket list that's as much about revenge, humiliating her ex-boyfriend, and getting back at her arch nemesis, as it is about hope, doing something unexpectedly kind for a stranger, and reliving some childhood memories. But just when Alice's scores are settled, she goes into remission. Now Alice is forced to face the consequences of all that she's said and done, as well as her true feelings for Harvey. But has she done an irreparable damage to the people around her and to the one person who matters most? Mm. Okay. I see. I never <laughs> read that description. That's the thing. I think I barely read a description about it before I read the book. So I didn't know oh. what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be this really slow and melodramatic story. You know what I mean? Like, like I was just going to be, Oh, this is just going to be sad. The whole thing's just going to be sadness, you know? And and it, which it definitely had some melodrama in it, but it just, it wasn't that way. It didn't move that slowly. And I don't know, what did you, what were you expecting before you started reading it? So I did read the description and I, I had, this book has been on my to be read list since probably 2015. So I read the description. That's why I put it on my <laughs> to be read list on okay. Amazon. And, and I, I wanted to read it just because of the bucket list aspect of it. And I'm weird. I do like stories about sick teens. So like, I love Fault in Our Stars. I love, well, I didn't read Five Feet Apart, but I watched the movie and I like that as well. So I thought it would be similar to that, where it's just like, she's sick and they love each other sort of thing. So, but it, it wasn't like that, really. It was kind of more, it was more than, it was not as sad as Dustin said. I know. And it, it has, yeah, it was I don't know. It had this hopeful feeling to it, but we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. Let's break down what this book was about. So the story focuses, like you read on the back of the book, it focuses on 16-year-olds Alice and Harvey. They grew up together in Harvey's mom's ballet studio. Harvey played the piano while Alice, you know, rehearsed. Um, they're families are super close. Alice's lawyer mom helped Harvey's mom gain custody of him as a baby. Mm-hmm. However, as they entered high school, they drifted apart as teens tend to do. The book shifts focus from Harvey's point of view to Alice's point of view and back again all the time. It also jumps from present day to a year prior. So if you aren't paying attention, it could be a confusing. <laughs> If you aren't paying attention, because sometimes I was like, wait, where are we? Where did we leave off? Me too. (laughs) But it's not that hard to follow. Um, It sort of has this Dash and Lily quality to it in this regard, the the back and forth perspective. But these characters are not nearly as pretentious 
<laughs> with their interests or their language or anything like that. They're just normal kids. Um, the brunt of the story really starts in the past. Uh, last year, Alice was pining for Harvey while dating this dumb jock Luke. Harvey was also pining for her. And one day, after being pressured for sex yet again by Luke, Virgin Alice invites him over during a school day. However, she's surprised to see her mom is home through the window, and she's having an affair. This sort of sets off a storm of events in Alice's life. Not only does her asshole boyfriend get pissed that they couldn't hook up, but he goes and tells her arch-rival Celeste about her mom's affair. And Celeste is, oh my god, it's just a truly horrible person. This is not the person you want to know some kind of secret like this. Soon after, Alice collapses in the lunchroom. Harvey rushes to her side, and it turns out she has leukemia. This instantly reignites their old friendship, sparking a romance over the next year as Harvey helps Alice cross stuff off of her bucket list, a.k.a. her, quote, just dying to do list, as she puts it. However, when the perspective shifts back to present day, the situation is different. At first, it starts off that Harvey has been with her for over a year now, and they've been having a routine of watching movies every night. And Alice is content with this. That's when we find out she's gone into remission. Her death sentence has been put on hold, and now she doesn't know what to do with her life or how to feel. She starts to lash out at Harvey, jump into more destructive behavior, and generally just stops caring. Jumping back to her over the last year, she was so full of life. Now, with actual life ahead of her, she's numb. She was prepared to die, but she, you know, she doesn't, she wasn't prepared for the choices that, you know, that she, after, if she didn't die, she was prepared to be able to make choices. So the rest of the book really just deal, you know, it details her bucket list antics of which there are many. We'll talk about Um, how she deals with the secret of her mom's affair and how she and Harvey can move forward now that things have changed. Chelsea, overall, what did you think of this book? Overall, I, I'm not going to lie. I did not particularly like it as much as I thought I would. And I think it's because I was thinking it was going to be like Fault in Our Stars or something similar to that. Um, I didn't like it because I don't like Alice. I think even though she was sick and, you know, when you're, well, you don't know if you haven't been sick, but I feel like when a person is sick, and on the verge of death that, you know, anything goes, you can have whatever you want because you're about to die. But I feel like Alice, even before she was sick, was a bit of a manipulative person just based on what I read in the book. And so like the sickness heightened it. And then after she found out that the cancer was in remission, it was just like, she was still continuing to be manipulative. And so it just made her not a likable character and it kind of made me not like the book as much. Yeah, she was not a sympathetic she definitely did some stuff you would you would you would not get away with, you know, most people would not let somebody get away with or leave them let them stay in their life. Some of it though, I think was justified. Some of it. Some totally of it was justified. Um but I mean, a lot of this reminded me of my relationship with my mom because of Alice and her mom. Um, they had that tension about them and that's why they're, because they're so much alike, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. so they bottle, they both bottle stuff up and let it fester and until they just explode on somebody or on each other, you know, that's something that, you know, I'm working on definitely. Cause my mom and I, we do that all the time. <laughs> we're too much alike. <laughs> so, you know, we're just butt heads all the time. So, okay. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Like Alice, was a pretty horrible to people, especially Harvey, who's, you know, the other main character. And you just, you just, Harvey's such a good person just all around. Just seems like he's good, but he's, he's a doormat, you very know, much. he's a doormat. And you that know, he let it go too. on. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're like, Oh, come on, dude. You know? And he says, I'm just so in love with her. Oh, just out. Shut up. She's horrible to you. Right. <laughs> Why are you okay with this? <laughs> oh my God. It's, Oh man. It made me so mad. But other than them, like, let's just say that they're not bad. Okay. Let's just pretend that we didn't hate those characters. Okay. Okay. Other than them, the two worst characters Um, in the book, in my opinion, are Celeste and Luke. (laughs) I think it would be a good book, but I I think the characters just ruined it for me. (laughs) 
But, you know, like I was saying, you know, the worst characters in the book are Celeste and Luke and, you Mm -hmm. know, her friend, Celeste's friend Mindy, but, you know, association. I think that they were just, oh, my God, they're just horrible people. So, okay, Luke is the dumb jock that she's with at the beginning of the book, you know, in the past. And um, before she gets she gets diagnosed, she's with him and he's pressuring her to hook up and everything. And like I said, you know, she sees her mom having this affair. He acts like he doesn't see it, apparently, but then goes and tells Celeste, who is this girl who's just mean for no damn reason. It seems like she's just she's just not as talented at ballet, apparently. And she doesn't like that. Alice was good at it. Apparently, that's the only thing I can get from that whole relationship. Like they grew up together doing ballet and she's just always been horrible to Alice. Yeah, which I don't get it, but whatever. So Celeste is this woman or woman (laughs) girl who, (laughs) you know, she she has a teenage girl and, you know, she, she wants to be a triple threat. She wants to be a singer and a dancer and an actor. You know, she wants to be a big performer and, um, and she is, she puts on performances for everybody all the time. Um, (laughs) she's just a horrible person. I mean, I don't know. Like there's one thing I was surprised at. When that she first like um, when Celeste first you know enters the situation and you know Alice is describing her, mm-hmm. and she wrote that he's dating someone his own size about Celeste, and I was like, that's surprising, Julie Murphy. You're so body positive, you know what right. I mean? Like you, I'm like, I, that sounds kind of dang, but I mean, she was writing as another character who is not you know a big girl, so. I guess, you know, you had to <laughs> really step outside yourself. I was like, dang. But, you know, okay. So apparently, so Celeste threw it in her face that her mom was having this affair, right? She's been horrible to her her whole life. And mm-hmm. that just pissed her off. Um, so I think that Celeste is a sociopath, A. Because yeah. there's that one time she overhears her talking about like, you know, I'm just going to claim sexual harassment so I can get the lead in the school play. Yeah. If I don't get it, I'm like, my God, what the hell? What is wrong with you? <laughs> it's a school play, girl. <laughs> That's it. It's a high school school play. What the heck? <laughs> and for so long in this book, I mean, I was like, I wrote down, I was like, for so long, I was like, what happened? What happened in the past? What did Alice do to Celeste? Right. Because she's like, we know what you did. We know what you did. I was like, That's what the name of this book should be. What did Alice do to Celeste? Because right. I want to know. <laughs> oh my God, there's some bad shit that went down, apparently. Um <laughs> so okay. On top of that, like she does something to Luke as well. And Luke's the first one we really see what happens to him. So mm-hmm. she, you know, after she gets diagnosed, she enlists Harvey to do this like bucket list, you know, and um, some of it's good stuff. Like, I always want to do this. I've never, you know, I want to go to this place. I want to do that, you know, whatever. But then she's like, I want you to help me like nail Luke and Celeste. Like <laughs> we're going to get them and we're going to just destroy them as much as we can. And she does this whole thing. She finds out something about luke and it's from this kid she finds this, the the one out gay kid mm-hmm. um he's oh my gosh it's so wow it's his name's tyson and he's in the bathroom crying and you know he's getting, getting beat up and uh find out it's by luke because luke and he like um used to be, they kind of hooked up at some yeah. point mm-hmm. and somebody caught a picture of it and luke doesn't know about the picture and so Alice finds out about all of this and decides, you know what? Luke went and spread all this crap about my mom and I, he wasn't supposed to say anything. And he was a horrible person that was cheating on me. That's right. He was cheating on her with right. Celeste, which I'm like, yeah. what's going on? He is, a, he's in the closet and he's like, it's very obvious why he's wanting to lose his virginity so bad. He wants to prove to himself he's straight. That's exactly what it is. Um, <laughs> sorry. I know I can read these characters. <laughs> <laughs> You're good at it. <laughs> And, you know, he, so basically what she does is she's like, Hey Luke, guess what? I have this picture. And he's like, no, you don't, you don't have shit. Blah, blah, blah. And he's <laughs> in the locker room or whatever. And he goes, Oh yeah. Well, you, you know, you, if you believe that or not, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to let everybody see it here at this pep rally. And he's like, what? And he runs out of the locker room. The pep rally's going on. It's dark. They're showing like the slideshow of like uh, drunk driving stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. And, he climbs up the ladder to get try to you know stop the projector. She's watching from like the the tech booth or whatever, 
and uh, his towel falls and he's completely naked in front of everybody. <laughs> she's like, okay, I'm not going to push play on this because that was embarrassing enough. But now she's like, I still have ammo. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Keep that in your back pocket. Right, yeah, for later. <laughs> he's going to beat up people and do that kind of crap. You deserve it. Sorry. Yeah. Um, you don't do that. You don't do that to people. For sure. You know, you can stay in the closet all you want, but you don't hurt people because of it. Sorry. No. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, <laughs> I just thought that was awesome. That was such a good moment. And I was like, if they make this a movie, I want to see this. <laughs> oh, yeah. That needs to be in the movie for sure. <laughs> uh, but Celeste. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So, okay. We find out at some point why she does this. We find out later after it happens. After we, it's All this stuff is presented to us in out of order kind of context in a way. You know, you're told, blah, blah, blah. what did she do to Celeste? And we find out what she did to Celeste, but we don't find out why or why it was relevant until a little bit later on. So basically, during one of the last performances of Oklahoma, Celeste is the star and Alice gets uh, Harvey to you know help her go buy a dress and they get snuck in and she sneaks on stage. And then they basically dump a bucket of fake blood or whatever yeah. on her, mainly on Celeste, but Alice is there and gets on her too. And it's just to humiliate her. In front of, you know, and you find out she basically carried her, Yeah, you know, and I was like, what's going on? Later on, we find out that they, like when they were younger, they had been at like a slumber party and apparently Celeste felt embarrassed about being scared of the movie Carrie and then took it out on Alice for finding out that she was scared. Which is so dumb to me. I know, but they were little kids. Like you found out I was scared. So she's like, you know, they did all that stuff to Alice and. I'm like, my God, you know what they do? Girls, kids, not even girls, just kids ganging up on other kids, you know? Yeah. You know, I just, Um, And the one thing that really got me, though, was toward the end when, you know, Alice is in remission and Celeste and Luke, you know, like there was at one point where she was like, dead girl walking. Yeah. Like, my God, like, why do you, why does no, why is no adult saying anything to these kids? Like, why are you talking to these kids like this? You know what I mean? Yeah, it was she literally horrible. just found out that she's actually going to live, and now it's like Celeste is oh, okay. Now I can start being mean to her again. It's like what? Yeah, thank God you're not dead. Or are we? You know, it's like what the crap? And you know, and the thing that they do, they do this really sick thing. They put on this like sick shrine to her in the trophy case where they put all these photos of her throughout the years from her being a little girl to now. And they scratched out her eyes and wrote whore and bitch and stuff. And they made it like a memorial where it's all in black and like dead carnations and stuff. And it's like, Oh my gosh, everybody knows who did it too. Everybody knows, but no one really says anything. The thing that really gets me though, though, it was so great. Like when, Alice confronts Luke about it and she just smacks him right in the nose. Yes. Oh, it was so awesome. Like, yes. <laughs> I was like, I said, dumbass Luke better watch himself. Okay. <laughs> I said, she just needs to go ahead and out him right now for that. Yeah, I'm sorry. She, just out him right now. Have, yeah. She didn't know she was bigger than me. I would have done it. I mean, <laughs> I would have, you know, usually against that stuff, but at this point it's war. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now that we're done discussing the worst characters, who, in your opinion, I'll tell you who my opinion are. Who are the worst? Who are the best characters in the book? Um, honestly, I think Deborah is probably my favorite one. I think she's like to me the most level-headed out of the whole book. I mean, aside from the parents, but you don't really hear much about them except for maybe um, Alice's mom. But yeah. um. Deborah, I liked because she was level-headed. And then um, whenever she saw what was going on between Harvey and Alice, she already knew, like, there's, I can't be involved in this. This is going to be a nightmare for me. So I'm just going to step aside, but I'm still going to be cordial with you two. And I just think that was great on her part as, as a teenager to do that and be so mature. So I really like Deborah. Oh, yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, and, and for those of you who don't know, Deborah is... Um, Harvey's best friend's sister, his twin. So yeah, I liked her a lot. Who was your character? So I did. I put down Deborah and Dennis. Oh, basically okay. the twins. I thought they mm-hmm. were the best characters in this whole thing for different reasons. You know, um, Dennis is just an awesome friend. Mm-hmm. He's just upbeat and and supportive and goofy. He's just a really cool guy. You know what I mean? And even when Harvey, you know, 
it starts to date his sister. He's like, don't drag her into your Alice crap, please. Like, right. just don't do that. He doesn't like get into it with them or anything. He just basically tells them flat out, just don't drag her into it. Because mm-hmm. he knows Harvey's level-headed too. You know, he's trying to be anyway. Yeah. Um, Deborah, I mean, wow. When she starts dating Harvey, Alice has it out for her. She's like, that bitch. Yeah. Like, you liked her. You were okay with her before. And now all of a sudden, she's just that bitch. I'm like, oh, she's going to do something to her. Or I was... I was fully waiting for Deborah to turn into a Celeste type character towards her as well, too, but it didn't yeah. happen. She just stayed. What? I don't know what your problem is. I don't have a problem with you. You might have a problem with me. I don't know, but you and Harvey has this thing and I ain't getting in the middle of it. <laughs> I'm tired of this. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, go you autonomy and just, you know, self-respect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, the one thing I didn't like though, this wasn't her fault though was when they at the end when they go to the beach house and Harvey invited Deborah and didn't say a thing to Alice about it knowing yeah. knowing you know but I think he did it on purpose cuz she had hurt him so much I think he really was trying to hurt her Yeah I think I don't Even think it was like, intentional I, I think it was subconscious like yeah I could tell her but I'm going to wait till the absolute last minute <laughs> I know. And like, I was going to tell you that this happened and we had such a good time. And I'm like, oh, then you were being selfish. So basically, either way, you're still a jerk. So that was kind of shitty. She just showed up at the beach house. I'm like, oh my God. You know, I just think I totally, like, I I really, really did like that character. I did not think I was going to like it. I think the reason why all, no offense to other Debras out there, (laughs) but I've met a couple Debras in my life and they have been cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs just uh, people who are just not with it, who are oh trouble, trouble, you know, making trouble. Mm-hmm. And I had to tell one off once, like at six a.m. Once I don't want to get into it, but anyway, <laughs> not at six a.m. Yeah, that's too early. <laughs> it was it was somebody was dating a roommate of mine and started going off on him at like six o'clock in the morning and woke me up and I was pissed and I stormed out in the parking lot after she left and I yelled at her. I said, "Don't you dare do that again!" I was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I really told her off. It was really funny. Um, <laughs> I made a really good argument about why you shouldn't wake me up. <laughs> I do have um, mixed feelings about Bernie, Alice's mom, mm-hmm. and her reaction to Alice finally spilling the beans about her affair. Because they're at the beach house, mm-hmm. you know, and they, you know, they're getting into it. And she, you know, Deborah shows up and she's just, Alice is upset. She's like, oh my God, what the hell? And then, you know, everybody, everybody knew besides her, everybody knew that, that Deborah was coming. Right. That's what makes it worse, yeah. you know? Um, and finally her mom's like, you need to calm down, Alice. And she was like, what? And then she has like this freaking iron skillet in her hand that she flings out of her hand. It goes through the glass door and just like, everybody's like, what the hell just happened? And she was like, come on, and everybody's gathering around looking at this glass door that's broken and she's going off on her mom. And she spills the beans about what happened last year in that affair you had, that guy that wasn't dad type of thing. Everybody's like, what? What's going on? And, you know, I don't know. I think, I don't think that Bernie's reaction to Alice finally spilling the beans with her affair. I don't, I don't, I have, I don't know. I don't feel like it was justified. Some of it. Like, um, because if I remember correctly, she, she basically was just like, mad at alice even though they had already talked about talked about like her and her husband already worked out the issues but she was still kind of like cold towards alice right yeah Yeah. see here's the thing i'm i mean alice is a brat she's a brat for the entire book she's a brat the whole book even when she's sick and being nice she's a brat um (laughs) she is but you know her mother really should have taken her off to talk to her and calm her down instead of trying to like calm down Alice in front of everybody. Yeah. That you know, and obviously okay. she's upset. Like, let's go talk, let's go talk now, you know? And, but no, she didn't. And now Alice and she's, and then, so that makes Alice snap in front mm-hmm. of everybody and, and she spills the beans about everything. Um, you know, I get that, you know, and maybe Alice shouldn't, you know, she threw that thing and she didn't, she shouldn't have thrown the skillet, but, <laughs> yeah, of course. but you know, I don't know. I'm like, your daughter, you should realize that your daughter was sick for a year. And in that whole year, she was holding this in mm-hmm. when you had already figured it out and you were fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's the exactly. thing that ticks me off. You know what I mean? Like in that instance, she blamed her. Even after she had time to think about it, she still blamed her daughter about that whole situation. It just pissed me off. Yes. 
the whole like afterwards with them coming home how she wasn't talking to her daughter and she was filtering everything through her husband like oh no you talk to her or you deal with her in a sense and it's like come on man you're an adult very childish very (laughs) childish you know and the fit her fit alice's quote fit was not out of line Mm -mm. you know she should have said something yeah and you know it's like alice is so much like her mom she shelters her feelings to keep order quote you know in her own how she sees it yeah but it doesn't help anybody and you know that's why i said like my mom or i are like this you know where we start, you know, we have to start to peel back the frigid layer. You know what I mean? Like just kind of, all right, we got to open up more. We got to be real. We can't be doing this and being at each other's throats type of thing. Mm-hmm. It's quarantine. That's really does it. So it's isolation <laughs> and lockdown. And just yeah. like, Oh my God, we have been too much around each other. I'm a mom's caregiver for those of you who don't know. And you know, so she, you know, she's on oxygen. She's, you know, she's all this, you know, I have to take care of her, make sure she takes her pills and all that stuff. And, um, so we get on each other's nerves because I'm like, are you okay? Did you sleep enough last night? You know, I started turning into the mom character and she's flipped, you know, and uh, it's, it's annoying. But anyway, I digress. So Alice and Harvey's relationship is very complicated throughout the entire book. Very. She's dealt with so much on her own that she acts pretty horrible to him. Like She holds a lot of stuff back. And like she held the secret about her mom and, you know, and, and her feelings about ballet and, you know, for so long, she always holds stuff in for a long time. And she does love him, but she just can't admit it, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, I want to talk about their relationship a little bit. Um, especially at the beginning, there's some stuff in that. Uh, so like they do this thing and I'm sure you've done it. Everybody's done this, the questions game. Yeah. You ever done that? Yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> Everybody so fun. does this. All right, I'm going to ask a question, and you can either answer the same question or ask the same question. You know, you just do a back and forth, just getting to know you thing. Everybody calls it the questions game. And it's, you're just literally, we're just going to ask questions, get to know each other. That's it. Right. That's it. Let's put a game <laughs> I just on thought it. Was let's, fun. Call, let's call it a game so there's no pressure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah. That was, a, yeah, they kind of made a point about that too. I guess everybody does do it. I'm, cl- I'm glad I'm not the only one. So, um, (laughs) so Alice, you know, like we said, she goes into remission and you think you're like, oh my gosh, she'd be celebrating. She doesn't, she goes into this like dark path and she ends up kind of, she goes back to school, but she barely goes to class. She ends Mm -hmm. up hanging out under the bleachers with some new hunky loner named Eric, um, Mm -hmm. who's just kind of weird and vague, Mm -hmm. but he seems like a nice guy, (laughs) kind of, you know, kind of, I don't know. And there's that one point though that's kind of weird though. He comes by to hook up with Alice, and and she, you know, he gets her top off and everything. Harvey comes over, sees her, kind of, you know, in the not really in the throes, but almost in the throes of doing something with Eric. And yeah. she's still kind of like she's almost like almost rubs it in his face. Mm-hmm. Gosh, she's horrible. Horrible. She she's really really bad. After all um, he had done for her for the past year. Well, really more than that, but really especially the past year of her being sick. It's like I know all the stuff they did together and all the stuff that they like like they the I love that the scene where they go to the amusement park is really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I like um that. and they find the teacup ride and they you know they can't turn it on but they can still spin the teacups and that's the reason why you know the book cover is like that. Mm-hmm. But um that's really good. They had their first kiss there and it's like She's like, oh, I shouldn't. But she's like, oh, but it'll be okay. I'll give this to him kind of thing. She keeps saying stuff like this. I'll give this to him kind of, you know, mm-hmm. and she's just so negative and arrogant and has no idea what love really is or what it is to do. You know, she doesn't want to admit it that she actually loves him and that she cares about him because she keeps pushing him away. And even when she's better, she pushes him away. Yeah. Like, oh, you're you're better off without me. I'm like, what? Why? <laughs> Let him decide that, right? <laughs> I don't know. What would you like if you could? I know you. You, you were like, I really don't like you, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't at all. <laughs> what was one of the worst things you think she did in the book? Um. Okay, that's hard. She's done a lot of bad stuff. I think the scene that you're talking about with her, her being at the house with the other guy, um, especially when when she first came back to school after being in remission. And Harvey, you know, he's being really supportive, as he usually is, um, offering to take her home. And she's just blowing him off to talk to hunky Eric. 
blowing him off um, to trust a complete stranger versus this guy you've known your whole life um, that's trustworthy. And so then after all that he's done for her in that whole year, helped her with that list, she goes and tries to hook up with this random guy and expect Harvey to not be upset about it. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> What's the big deal, Harvey? I'm like, um, he's like, what the hell, Alice? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know we, how I we feel together. about you. <laughs> like, what the hell? She's like, well, no, not anymore. Sorry. Mm-mm. Oh, but you know what? I take that back. The That part was bad, but when they were at the beach house and after the whole debacle of her blurting out that, you know, I know you had an affair, mom. She goes, spends a whole day on the boardwalk doing whatever. As a teenager, mind you, which was surprising for me because when I was a teenager, I could barely go to the mall by myself, let alone walk around a boardwalk in a beach town. And she finds this random guy again who's younger than her at that and brings him to the house, the beach house, full of her family. <laughs> and tries I to don't understand. With that oh, guy. my God. <laughs> I don't, I'm like, really, Alice? <laughs> I mean, she first of all, she keeps calling him Brian, but his name is Trevor. Yes. <laughs> and he keeps correcting her. It's, it's like, Trevor. <laughs> it's Trevor. Whatever, Brian. <laughs> I said it was Trevor. Like, whatever. Yeah. But, like, yeah, she's like, let's hook up. And she tries to take him to hook up in the bunk bed the- that Deborah-, Deborah is trying to sleep on. Yeah. And then after she realizes what she's doing and feels bad about it, she is mad at him and tells him to leave. Like, he was the one who did this. Leave now. I'm like, oh, my God. You're such a bitch. <laughs> Terrible. I was like, wow, Alice. I wrote that down in my notes. Like, really? You're going to do this, like, now? I know. And then she finally realizes what she's done. And, like, you know, oh, my gosh, she's horrible to him. Like, oh, my God. This the thing that she does to what she says to Harvey on the beach. And, like, get out of here. I never loved you. I never cared about you. I don't care about you, blah, blah, blah. And he's Mm -hmm. like, that's it. That's it. I'm turning around. And, you know, if I go, this is it. I'm like, whatever, Harvey. Yeah, whatever. You're coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. But, you know, she doesn't deserve him anyway. But the thing was, like, at that point, it, 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 it kind of flips because Alice ends up being the one who's, like, pining for him, really. And he's just like, I'm done. I'm over it. Whatever. He ends up being this, like, cold person to her. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's what happens. You, mm-hmm. you know, you play with somebody too much and they don't they don't like it after a while. You know, Ugh, it's bad. But I will say the one thing that really kind of redeemed Alice was the end. Yes. What she did for Harvey, which yeah. is such a cool thing. Yeah. I so think that was really redeeming because I was on the verge of being just writing her off. <laughs> yeah, I could totally I could totally hear like the soft music playing in the soundtrack, you know, like, oh, coming of age stuff happening. Yay. And now they're going to get back together and go to college. Yay, yeah. You know. <laughs> so listeners, what you if you didn't see if you didn't read the book. What happens at the end is like, you know, so Alice finally realizes how much of a shit she's been and she repairs her relationship with her mom and, you know, her and Celeste kind of kind of come to these, I don't know, terms because Celeste gets dumped by Luke and Celeste kind of propositions Alice like, hey, let's gang up on him. And Alice is like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with all this crap. I've learned this lesson. I'm like, which good. Is, See, which she's growing. For her. Yeah. I know. I'm like, finally, now I'm starting to like Alice and the book's almost done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she finally, you know, you know, Alice realizes how much she hurt Harvey and she knows that she never really did anything for him and she should have. And so she basically, you know, she gives him a set of letters and she's like, don't open these, start opening these letters until three o'clock tomorrow. And so she does. And she's like, and then instructs him, go to this address. And it's in, the, in a town like, you know, an hour away. And um, so he goes and she's like, see this place to go inside, order a whiskey at this bar. And he does. And they're like, ha ha, you know, <laughs> he can't get the whiskey. And they're like, no, you're underage. He goes, fine, I'll have a Sprite. And then he looks at the next letter. He goes, ha ha, I made you order the whiskey. <laughs> it's kind of funny. That was funny. And yeah. then she's like, just sit around and take in the atmosphere. And then at four o'clock, um, this, somebody's going to start playing piano. And, you know. Basically, she has him meet this guy that's playing piano, and he seems like a really nice older guy, and and it's just so cool 
that it ends up being Harvey's grandfather because Harvey never knew his dad, his real dad. And um, his mom really wouldn't tell him much about him. So he finally, she tracked down his grandfather. She doesn't know anything about his dad, but she knows where his grandfather is. And she goes, well, you know, you don't have to talk to him. You don't have to tell him who you are, but here's the option that if you want to find out about your family or your, where you came from, here you go. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool because that's what he'd been talking about the entire book. Like he, he kept reflecting back on his dad and how he didn't know his dad. And you know, I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, it was. It was really nice. A really nice gesture. And so, you know, I tell like, all right, there's a redeeming quality about this book. She finally turns it around. So there are great quotes in this book. Yes. There are some really good quotes. Do you end up highlighting anything or kind of saying, oh, I really like that part or what they said there? I did. I, I had a few, a couple written down in my notes. Um, so one was from, so this quote is from like the end of the book kind of. And so it's, I guess when Harvey and Alice, they're, Alice is trying to make things right with Harvey, but he's not really trying to hear it because, you know, he's mad at her. And so she still won't admit out loud that she loves him she says i care about you you know how people do you know i care about you (laughs) and he's like you know what i'm not gonna deal with this um i love you alice and he was saying love feels like a fucking cheese grater against my heart and i was like that's so true (laughs) it just feels like it, Uh it feels good but then it's like um it feels good love feels good but it hurts at the same time when you love someone so much it it really does feel like a cheese grater against your heart and i just felt that you know as being a parent as being married and then i'm thinking about my teenage self first finding love and it's like yeah that's so true that's a interesting um way to put love so i like that yeah and it's not even just like like you said even being for being a parent or just people that you love it doesn't have to actually be like romantic love love in general it hurts especially when somebody you love does something that's bad for them or you know something happens to them that's not good and it hurts you know because you love them so much that it kind of you know you kind of get that sympathy pain in a way you know in your heart just kind of squeezes i yeah i totally get it um there were a couple that i was like i was like me and alice are the same person i'm such a bitter person oh my god (laughs) are you alice i felt so bad Oh my God, I felt so bad. I read this book. I was like, I hate Alice. Alice is such a bitch, but that's probably because I'm such a bitch. Oh no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, there was one thing that she said, like there's a couple things she said, but there was one thing that she said at one point when she went into remission and it was a good quote. She said, as it turned out, my greatest fear in life had become expectations. Hmm. And that one really got me because I was like, oh, yeah, expectations, you know, like that's I went through a lot of uh, a lot of um, self-doubt and depression and stuff in 2020. I think a lot of people did, especially being locked up and forced to look at themselves for a little bit more. And um, so I realized there was a lot of stuff that I hadn't accomplished in my life. And it was because of my fear of expectations. Mm-hmm. What would happen after I accomplished this goal? You know, would I be expected to do more? Would I be expected to do less? You know, whatever. So I think part of that, you know, that kind of grabbed me there. Um, I, I also had a quote, but it wasn't from Alice. I didn't pick any quotes from her. Uh, it was from Alice's mom. And so it was in that part of the book where Alice, um, and her mom were trying, were actually talking things out after the big blow up. And Alice's mom was basically telling her that, um, and Alice's mom is named Bernie. I can call her Bernie. Bernie was talking about, uh, I love your dad and I love you. I, you know, the affair is over with. I, I don't regret. Um, I don't regret you all. I love you all as my family. And I'm learning. And she said, I'm proud of my choices. And now I want to be proud of how I lived those choices. And I think that's a good quote, like as an adult, because I think you can get so caught up checking off boxes and then you're like okay now now what do I do after I've accomplished what I want to accomplish and so her her whole thing of having the affair was uh, you know I I wanted a little bit of control back in my life I wanted to be able to do something exciting but then when you got sick talking about Alice uh, I realized there is no control in life so now I just I want to be proud of what I'm doing right now 
and how I'm doing it. I don't want to just do it to do it. I want to do it with, I guess, more passion. I totally understand that. This, this, this book does have a lot of good nuggets of like knowledge and, and lessons. You just got to yes, look it beyond does. And the terrible characters. <laughs> there was one that I have that, oh my God. So <laughs> there's that one part where, you know, when Alice first meets Eric and they're hanging out under the bleachers and then Harvey's supposed to drive her home and she just doesn't show up. And he goes and finally, what the hell, Alice? And he gets mad. Mm-hmm. And they have this kind of argument in front of Eric. And then finally she gets in the car and, and it's, it's Harvey's side of the story that he's telling. And the one good thing that he says, it's such a good quote that he says on the ride home. So we acted like adults and gave each other the silent treatment. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that is on the nose. It is. That is so true. It's like just that bitter relationship we're not talking, and that's how adults do. <laughs> I love that part. Um, There was another thing that Alice says, like, that was really cool. It's toward the end of the book. And it's around that time that, you know, she had talked with her mom and, and she just started, you know, she started to change her life a little bit more. You know, she started getting back into ballet. She's starting to be, I guess, quote, get better in a way. You know, she's, she's leaving that stuff behind, the negative stuff. Mm-hmm. And she has a good quote on that. In a way, part of me felt strangely empty, but it was a good kind of empty, spring cleaning empty, the kind that left room for better things. So, yeah, I just, man, I just really love these. I really love these quotes. It was a really quotable book. There's just had these little kind of little good inspirational moments through it. And like, oh yeah, I totally connect with that, you know? Yeah. And that's why it was written so well. And I, I read through it pretty fast. Did you read through it pretty fast? No, but I'm just, I'm a slow reader. Like, I, I Oh, I am not. too. <laughs> oh, I am too. Trust me. I mean, I kept putting it down and stuff, but, but for the was, most part. It was an easy read, I will say. It wasn't hard to digest. Yeah, it was definitely something that, yeah, you didn't have to really think too, too hard about. Um, did you re- happen to read the acknowledgments from the author? No, I didn't. There's something about the author. Um, she had a quote in her acknowledgments. She's just talking, you know, thanking people in the acknowledgments and whatnot. But before she starts, she says this. I'm going to give thanks, I swear. But first, I want to tell you, whoever you are, that I barely graduated high school and completely bombed the SAT. I'm telling you this because I want you to know that the path of dreams is flawed and it is the beauty of flaws that makes you. I like that. I do too. And I really thought she's really good inspirational quoter, you know, just being herself. I mean, my yeah. gosh, not even in fiction form. <laughs> <laughs> it gave me, I was like, you know what? I, I, like, I barely graduated high school and I got through only my associate's degree in college because I just hate school. I mean, no offense. It's not for everybody. It's just not. Some people learn better doing, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. But, yeah, so I mean, I like to just, you know, keep reaching for your dreams, mm-hmm. you know, just keep going for it. And that book was just proof that, you know, there is no definite expiration date. That's what I take away from the book, you know, just like live today, get it done. Don't, I guess, don't hold grudges. Don't just because, you know, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I can get away with this now. I'm going to do this evil thing. You shouldn't because it puts a taint, you know, it taints your soul. It puts a little dark mark on your soul. And so that's something that Alice had to pull herself out of. Right. Getting all these revenge scenarios done and all these, you know, selfish things that she wanted to do. And it just kind of made her into a more bitter person. Even without having cancer anymore, you would think she'd be trying to act better. She ends up acting worse. So, yeah. And I I thought she would turn it around when she did find out that her cancer was in remission. But as we soon, like early on, she did not. One thing I found interesting about this book is that it does take a look at like, you know, one of my favorite things, because that's how my podcast is, is like finding things that nobody really talks about. Right. So in the movies, when they portray cancer, it's always like, okay, you're in remission. Everything's great. But I feel like this book did a really good job of showing what it's like when you think you're about to die because of cancer in this instance. And then you found out you're not. And what do you do after that when you've already mentally prepared yourself to not be here anymore? And I think the book did a really good job at describing what that process and that that thinking might look like at that point. Because like I said, the media doesn't portray that as much um, as this book has. 
yeah, this definitely gave a real kind of a realistic viewpoint of it because, you know, like you said, the media, more if you, the media in movies, you know, TV, whatever, somebody will go on a remission and everybody's happy about it. And then that's it. That's all you hear. They're in remission. Yeah. We're good. You're like, yeah, but what happened? What happened to them? How did they feel about that? You know, mm-hmm. like did they really, are they as celebratory as they're showing or are they kind of like, Oh crap. Now I've got to deal with all the stuff that I did. <laughs> Oh, Which no. is kind of what Alice goes through. She's like, oh no, I was expecting not to be here anymore. And now we got to face consequences. Mm-hmm. That's, and I'm glad you brought up your show again because, um, yeah, this is stuff that they would talk, you would talk about on your show about your kids. You know, like, what do you do with grief? You know, what do you do with, you know, when you're preparing for something bad to happen? That's probably something you had brought up, especially when you're deal- talking about kids who have, you know, um, are born with defects or, you know, or something happens to them, you know, with, you know, cancer or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm sure that's something you're like, Hey, how do you deal with this? You know, how do you deal with, there's a certain kind of grief you have in a way as a parent, I'm sure that you, you, even though your kid's alive, you're kind of grieving something quote normalcy has gone, you know, and I'm not not a bad thing, you know, obviously you have Mm -hmm. a kid, you're you're happy, you have your love, you have your kid. But, um, you know, I think that's, I love, I love that about your show. And I think that's really cool. Where can we find your show, Chelsea? Um, you can find it on Spotify, Apple. Um, you can also find it on, wow, that's all I remember. I'm blinking. But it's on the main <laughs> ones, though. <laughs> well, uh, and of course, can... Anchor, too, because that's my host site. That's right. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Where about your social? Where are you at on uh, Instagram? What's your handle? So my Instagram is at weirdmompod, so P-O-D. And then you can find me on Facebook as well. You can just search Weird Mom Podcast. Um, the little logo is a duck. So that's my page when you see it. Yeah, she has little rubber duckies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really, really cute. She has a great uh, Instagram page. She does a lot of inspiration. She shares a lot of the stuff she finds that's very inspirational and and uh, and also shares some stories about her and her kid and, and her husband. You know, it's fun times, fun times, especially going through quarantine and, you know, lockdown. <laughs> Had a lot of lot of lots of stuff to say. <laughs> so much. <laughs> so, um, thank you for coming on again. I mean, it was it was a surprisingly good book. I was not. I I liked the book. I mean, I, I know you didn't really like the characters, but the book itself, it was good. It was a good life lesson type of book, if you think about it. Yeah. Now that we talked about it, it it's not that bad. I think the characters just overshadowed it. But yeah, I talked you into the book you read. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more information, you can contact me on Twitter at Dustin underscore Holden or on Instagram at Dustin Can Read. You can also reach me via email at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com. And please rate and review on iTunes or Podchaser or wherever you listen to the show. Also, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you can be up to date on new episodes. Thank you for listening, audience. And for Chelsea and I, have a great day. And until next time. Dustin can read. Bye. Bye.